Welcome to For What It's Worth. I'm a horrible person. You'd leave stuff laying around? An introduction to and exploration of the furry fandom. No, no, you can't do that because I seriously think of Five Nights at Fred Meyer every time someone says that. I missed you guys. So I came back to do a little intro. Well, we have a choice here. Yeah, tell them what our choice is. What are the choices? Limbago in Idaho. What Isn't that exciting? I hope you guys are having a good time. I wish I had a joke to tell you, but I don't. Maybe my voice will just have to be enough. There are certain women I just want to bitch slap. (laughs) (laughs) So in summary, people are awful. (laughs) It's kind of true. Before I go, I'm going to introduce our host just like you expect. So without further delay, here are Rue and Firebreath. Have fun, guys. All right, and welcome, everybody, to For What It's Worth. Yay! Yay! You are here. I am here. I, and, I, I pretend uh, to be here. You pretend to be here. Wait, wait. Who are you? I don't know. Who am I? You tell me. <laughs> well, guess what, you guys? We've pulled Fire Breath out of working on just... Uh, being our lovely announcer and he's gonna be hosting this particular episode exciting what me (laughs) host what is this heresy heresy i say you have deserved it over the years you've you've given us lots and lots of quips and told me how much of a fool that i was for the longest time and now i've decided to make you the fool (laughs) (laughs) no in fairness it's it was you and tugs not just you that was a fool let's let's make that clear that's that's true teamwork teamwork so what have you been up to uh, well, actually, uh, yesterday, and just in case this doesn't go out today, which it won't, obviously, uh, the 23rd, I was uh, pricked for the first time by Pfizer. So, yay, first yay! dose. Yay! Congratulations! Thank you. Uh, my mom was nearly crying in joy, to be honest, because she had hers like a month and a half ago, and she was super worried about me, and now she's like, oh, you're safe now. I'm like, well, I'm halfway there, halfway there. <laughs> So that's, let me that's tell you, good. after those after those two weeks of like, it, it just makes you feel a lot more safe. At least, at least for myself, I feel a lot more safer. I have been able to do a couple things. Like for instance, I went to, I know, shock and awe. I went to an amusement park. Gasp! The other day, so. Yeah, that was that was pretty exciting. I haven't been to an amusement park for like, like I can't believe that that's something that somebody would like feel like that embarrassed to like talk about because, uh, like, you know, you're supposed to be staying safe as much as possible, and um, yeah, so it was it was fun to be able to go out. Now, of course, we still had masks, and you know, people you know, kept their distance and they wanted people to socially distance. Actually, they had eight feet versus six feet apart over at the amusement park. That was quite interesting. But. Well, that's good. But I cut you off. What else have you been up to, Mr. Firebreath? Uh, well, I'm still looking for a job. Uh, still uh, working towards uh, losing weight. Uh, doing. Uh, I'm actually going to start in a few weeks a certificate in public relations. So... That's oh, interesting. Nice. 
What have you been doing to lose weight? Uh, mostly running, some uh, home at home exercise, calisthenics, and stuff like that. Nothing very, uh, very intense. Mostly because I need a new pair of shoes right now, so I'm going to be doing that on Monday when I get my car back. So yeah, that's 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 been uh, that's been my life, staying home and not doing much just because of COVID. <laughs> I think that's been a majority of our lives is just, oh, yeah. you know, stay at home and well, let's see. How about you? I don't have a lot of fun stuff to share. Usually I have some amazing things. Uh, uh, I think that I already shared on the show that I bought my first house. Woo. Congratulations. I am super excited about it. So I feel like a man now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, We'll be moving there sometime in June. So, um, yeah. So, hopefully, we'll be able to set up a, a nice room just for the studio. I know where I'm breaking people's dreams. They they think that for what it's worth, studio is like a place that we actually go to. Guess what? It's in my living room. <laughs> On a nice, comfy sofa. That's true. That's true. Um, but other than that, I've just been working. I've been, um, I've been starting to teach my classes over at, um, at, over at the college. Uh, I've been helping people find employment and get certificates to be able to do that. So that's, that's basically what I've been up to, but I've just been super stressed at work. So it's great that, that I get to do something that's not, super serious today <laughs> so but anywho but, but podcasting is serious business i guess it is i guess i mean to some people it, it's their actual job for us it's just a hobby it's just something fun to do but or so we say anywho or so we say are we lifestyler podcasters <laughs> is that what we're saying Oh yeah, I, I I carry my microphone with me at all times, and the the the, the entire backpack with like laptops and XLR cables and <laughs> like this huge battery, like car battery to power everything up. You just walk around with a microphone, just shoving it in people's faces, being like, "What do you think about this?" Oh yeah, oh yeah, totally <laughs> me, totally me. Well, I'm hungry. Are you hungry? I, I I'm I'm feeling peckish. I'm feeling peckish. I. I think it's time for a cookie cat. Yes. No, not a cat. Just a cookie. Just a cat. Or just a cookie? <laughs> just a cat now? You're going to eat a cat? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm not Alf. I don't like eating cats. <laughs> All right. So here we go. Will he reuse another one? Is he ready? Is he going to bed with pastries again? It's Ruse Cookie Time, not sponsored by Betty Crocker. Here's the cookie for today. A cynic is only a frustrated optimist in bed with a cookie. In bed with a cookie. Yeah, no, I, I can kind of see that. Wishes thing were better, but... They never get better. <laughs> uh, well, I actually have one more. One more for today. Oh, Here's the bonus. a twofer. I know. It doesn't happen very, very often. So generous. You will die alone 
and poorly dressed in bed with the cookie. <laughs> well, that's, that's so a downer. Sad. That's so sad. All right. On that note, we'll go to a quick little break and then we'll be right back. All right. everyone welcome back so this is fire breath with rue as a secondary this time <laughs> hi i'm secondary yes i took I over the show i am secondary rue yeah <laughs> it's a hostile canadian takeover oh no because yes <sighs> we're outnumbering you <laughs> well you guys you guys are the top hat of america so. yeah yeah we are or your canada's pants i don't know Ooh, that's even better I'm not going to say what so, we refer so to that... Florida as. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Oh, my gosh. And so what's Florida? That's what I was going to say. Okay, anywho. Florida man would not be happy. <laughs> All right. So uh, as I said, uh, we're now outnumbering you because today our guest is actually from Canada as well. She's somebody I've known for quite some time. Uh, and uh, I think that as the, at the same time, it'd be a great idea to mention that today's show topic is mostly about getting into animation. We know we have a lot of artists in the furry fandom and with COVID, a lot of people are recycling themselves and their careers and everything. And because we have tons of artists, excessively talented artists at that, we thought, Hey, animation is a skill and is an industry and it's hiring generally speaking. So why not try and get somebody who knows this stuff to come in and talk about how to get into animation? So without further ado, I'd like to present to everybody my friend Karin. Hi, Karin. Hi, everyone. Hi. So uh, as I said, Karin is a, is a professional in the animation industry. So what do you do, Karin? Who are you? Uh, how did you learn of the furry community? What's your favorite animated series, for instance? or And the favorite one you love to work on? Not necessarily your favorite, but the one you would love to to, to work on the most. And any other personal details you feel okay to share? Okay, I didn't make a running tally of that list of questions. It would have been nice to have it in advance so I could prepare <laughs> all the answers. But uh, my name is Karine Charlebois. I work in the animation industry as a storyboard supervisor. I've been working in animation since 1996, mostly in storyboards. I've done some animation and I've done some uh, like background work, uh, character work, but mostly, for the most part, I've been working in storyboards. Uh, like I said, since 1996, and I've worked on probably about 30 shows, uh, 30 different animated shows from preschool stuff to adult stuff. Um, so yeah, most recently, uh, you said the, my favorite animated series 
uh, that I've worked on, um, it's a toss up right now between the series I'm working on right now that I can't talk about because there's an NDA on it and my little pony friendship is magic. Oh, so you're, you're, you're somebody, a lot of people would probably be very happy to know then. (laughs) (laughs) I will also say that, uh, the third one would be Sagwa, the Chinese Siamese cat, which was, uh, produced back in 2000. Uh, that was uh, I don't know if that went through the to the United States though. Rue, it, can did. You it, it did. It did. It was a oh. PBS it was, show, it was and huge. it was translated in many languages, but it was mostly a production for PBS. So yes, it was in the states. Um, so I watched it in between, like like Arthur, and then you know I watched show I that show. On. Oh. Awesome. Yep. Arthur was my first in-studio show and also the show I worked on uh, before I did, like when I started as a storyboard supervisor, my first storyboard supervisor job was on the last season of Arthur. So I started on Arthur 25 years ago and I finished Arthur like a year and a half, two years ago. So yeah, it's uh... (laughs) a... Uh, favorite series that I did not work on what was Gargoyles, and technically I did get to work on that as a comic book artist in the continuation of the series in the comic book format. So, so how else? did you learn about the furry community? How did I learn about the furry community? Uh, because I was involved in the organization of the Gathering of the Gargoyles, which was the Gargoyles Convention, uh, I was, uh, convinced by some of my, uh, fellow Gargoyles fans to bring the convention to, uh, Montreal, because it was a traveling convention. And so I had to advertise that we were going to be doing the Gathering of the Gargoyles in Montreal. And I decided to look at what other conventions are around. So that's how I went to, uh, I can't remember what the name of it was, but the convention that was in Ottawa in 2003. That was my first time. C.A.C.E. was my first furry con. Fun fact. uh, Fun fact, Feli, who was also con chair for What the Fur, was staff at that convention. And that's also one of the first furry conventions I also attended. <laughs> yeah, that's where I met you. I think that CAs is where I met you. Yep, so, yep it was. So 2003. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so it was, I, I, I went to CAs and then I started going to other conventions and uh, decided that, hey, People like to spend money on on furry art, so I think I'm going to do this some more. So it was uh, it was fun. It was I met a lot of people who were very talented artists. I met a lot of people who uh, I got along with uh, really well, and so I joined in and I continued doing the gargoyles thing. And when the gargoyles thing was over, when we did the last convention, I was like, but I still want to do work in conventions so that's when i said to Feli that i'd like to uh to work on uh to to take on as dealers uh director for what the fur and he tried to convince me not to 
And then when I insisted, he said, okay, you're in. And so I was director of dealers for uh, What the Fur for several years. So that's awesome. That's that's my history with the furry fandom. Also, you know, having drawn these characters since forever. Um... <laughs> Have you created your own persona in some way or form? Yeah. Are you a furry? Yeah. I'm less, I'm a lot less active than I used to be uh, in anything furry, but yes, I do still uh, draw those kinds of characters. Um, my furry persona was, uh, is uh, a pirate fox named Vivienne. And uh, that's one of the characters. It's pretty much the main one that I use in the furry fandom. Otherwise, it's, I've got a gargoyle persona called Canthara. And Canthara is the name that I use online for, that I've been using since 1996, 1997 online as my uh, name, avatar, whatever. So my website is Canthara Draws. So that, that name has stuck. And uh, so there. Well, that's super interesting. Thank you for the, 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 <laughs> the refresher <laughs> in my case. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Here we go. I'm going to throw this out. How did the two of you guys meet? I think that a lot of people are going to want to know that. Honestly, at this point, yeah, it was at at, at uh, Case, so... He was at CAs, and he I, I met Loopy at another uh, small convention. So I'm because I met Loopy, I saw him at CAs, and Loopy had this young kid hanging around him, and that's how I met uh, Firebreath. So yeah, and uh, at the time I was dating Loopy, so that's why I was hanging around him. And I know. life, man, it's it's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you meet the greatest people through the greatest people. Uh, so, yeah, that's basically how we met uh, at a convention because of somebody we both knew. So, yep. so no, it's 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 uh, it, it's it was a good time. It still is. Uh, unfortunately, we don't see each other enough anymore. Well, Life happens. So. Yeah, that too. That too. Yeah, but uh, overdue for any kind of gathering barbecue the dragon rouge or whatever just oh, yeah. i miss you guys uh, i missed i miss everybody as well so <laughs> <laughs> but hey soon soon if everybody keeps going uh, doing the right thing and uh, we should be able to see each other soon yes i get, get my those vaccinations oh yeah Yay! awesome yeah, and adam just my husband just came back from getting his pinprick, so so there. Nice. That's great news. Well, super happy for you guys. Thank you all. So what are we talking about today, Mr. Firebreath? Well, as I said a little bit earlier, you know, we had, uh, uh, there's a lot of recycling careers right now. And because of that, animation is something that we've seen a lot more people do in the fandom. I'm thinking about uh, Jib Cody, for instance. Uh, where there's uh, Adler the Eagle as well. That's been 
getting more and more popular on on platforms like YouTube. Uh, some people on for affinity also do it uh, to various ratings. I will say, <laughs> uh, just like anything uh, uh, we see on for affinity or in the fandom in general. And some people do a great, have a great, seem to have a great grasp of it with Patreon, getting money, getting paid for that. But for some other people, maybe that's not the path they want to take. Maybe they want to be a little bit more quote unquote official, uh, work on something a little bit bigger. Uh, something that has been taken off like crazy right now is uh, Vivzy Pop's uh, Hell of a Boss, for instance. Uh, that has, that's all a bunch of YouTubers essentially with a bunch of voice actors doing something. That's a personal project that's really taking off. Uh, the fact that uh, they've also managed to sell the rights of, or at least get somebody to do an actual TV show with uh, Has Been Hotel demonstrate that there is a lot of potential and creativity in the furry fandom. How do we bring that creativity to a certain degree into animation? Well, again, we have a lot of artists. This is something that the fandom is known for, even amongst non-furries in the business and commercial world as well, from what we've seen over the years. So how do we get people to go from just being a 2D artist to being a 2D animator or 3D in certain cases? However, uh, I think, Karin, because you did storyboard artists, you're mostly 2D based, correct? I did storyboards uh, for 2D animation and for 3D animation. I have never touched uh, 3D, like physical 3D animation myself. That's not what I do. What I do is storyboards so I can think in 3D and I can draw the things, but it's still hand-drawn 2D drawings, even if it's for 3D animation. So, uh, All right. So, uh, yeah. All right. No, that's 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 great. So what we'll probably be mostly talking about then is going to be the 2D side of things. The 3D stuff, probably there's a lot of overlap one way or another, not necessarily with uh, storyboards themselves, but there's more. Uh, I studied in 3D animation. I've, I've done a little bit of 2D animation, not my thing. And I know there's overlap here and there, like the concepts are the same as like squash and stretch, timing, keyframes, stuff like that. They still remain there. It's just a tool that changes at the end of the day. That's That's been my limited experience at any rate. Pretty much. So, yeah, there you go. So I'm not that crazy yet. <laughs> or maybe I am. I don't know. <laughs> so how would you say uh, the kind of entry animation jobs that, like, let's say we take the typical furry artist copyright trademark. What would be a good entry animation job for them, would you say? Uh, depending on what they know, uh, depending on what they specialize in, depending on what their, uh, where their skills lie, a lot of entry jobs in animation involve uh, cleanup. So you've got somebody else who's done uh, artwork and some artists as they're in entry level, they will come in and do uh, cleanup of those rough drawings. Uh, if you have any knowledge of some of the software, uh, that knowledge will allow you to take those concept drawings and make um, animation-ready uh, puppets or clean drawings, rotations, those kinds of things as part of the characters. You can have people who are good at drawing backgrounds and they end up doing uh, layout cleanup or background cleanup and then 
doing other uh, views according to what's from the storyboard, you can end up working in that. Uh, if your talent lies in colors and there's color keys and there's background colors that are uh, that are jobs you can do, um, storyboard cleanup is another job where you have a storyboard artist that will do rough drawings or thumbnails and the cleanup artist, their job is to um, draw the storyboard uh, with the characters in model and do clean drawings throughout the storyboard. Got storyboard revisionists whose job is to apply the corrections and revisions that the directors, your storyboard supervisors uh, require. For the, to make the storyboard um, complete. So there are a lot of different entry-level jobs just for artists in animation. If you don't know what to do and you're good at organization, you want to get a feel of what, uh, what the animation industry is and uh, what like have a taste of a little bit of everything without necessarily being an artist, there's uh, there's uh, production assistant jobs that you can do, which involves a lot of, um, you know, going through the scripts and finding, uh, making a list of what needs to be designed and what needs to be reused and get it, gathering all that stuff and communicating with the clients and working with the directors and the producers in order to make a production run. So there's so many jobs. And with COVID, what happened was that a lot of um, live action productions couldn't continue because of contamination. But all of us who work in animation, we ended up getting a lot more work because we can all work remotely. We can all work from home. As long as we've got an internet connection that's decent enough that we can upload and download files and a studio that sets you up with a VPN and, and all that, everybody's been working from home. And while it's not ideal for everyone in the animation industry, they have discovered, the studios have discovered that productivity in general has gone up with people working from home. And so, so that's a huge win. Yeah, there are a lot of studios that are looking at a return to work and giving the choice to their employees. Do you want to work from home, work in the studio, or follow a sort of hybrid model? So so that's great because a lot of people that might not be otherwise vaccinated or might not feel safe into going back to the office can just have everything set up at home and there you go. They, they can do the job, no problem. That's great. And you know it opens up a lot of a lot of um, possibilities for for example somebody's uh, feeling off they're feeling sick and they're going I don't know if I want to go to the office but I still feel okay enough to continue working on my scenes so is it you know is it a problem if I work from home oh yeah you got the VPN turn it on download your files work from home feel a little bit sick, go lie down, come back, continue working. You've done your hours, you've, you've produced your scenes or whatever. So all in all, it's, it's just better. And like I said, the demand for animation has increased this year compared to last year, just in adult animation. The number of adult animated uh, productions has gone from about 50 to over 100. And that's wow. different 
shows. Wow. Like there's huge, wow. huge, huge demand. Do you think that it's related to the whole fact that um, of Corona? It is in because large of the virus? part related to that, but there's also the fact that the people who are watching animation, like there's a demand for adult animation because the people who liked animation as kids, like all Gen Xers, like they're the ones being producers right now and creators and those kinds of people are decision makers. So I think and the that... Fact- I think that's yeah, what it, it, causing this to happen. Well, there, there's been a huge switch in how people view animation as a whole. It used to be just for kids 30 years ago that when I was a kid, I, seeing an adult animation, I'm not, we're not talking, when we say adult, we don't mean X-rated. Yeah, like F is for Family, Bob's Burgers, uh, Rick and Morty, Archer, all those shows are considered adult animation shows. And like I said, in 2020, there's been, uh, 2020, 2021, there's been uh, like 100% more of those shows being produced. And Netflix is a big reason for that. The streaming services, Hulu, Netflix, uh, I mean, I can't think of the other ones off the top of my head right now, but there are several streaming services that have their own production uh, houses and there's a demand for this kind of material, which means there are job openings. So, yeah, if you know anything about animation, uh, there are uh, there are jobs in animation, and they're just. And even if you don't, even if you're just someone who knows how to draw well, get a portfolio together look at what's possible, look at what you sp- you want to specialize in and just send your portfolio out. And there are plenty of studios that are looking for people. And uh, I'm, of course, I'm in the Montreal market, so I know what's happening in Montreal up to a certain point. Uh, yeah, there are lots of job postings. And even if you don't know how to draw, apparently like someone like me, who's, n- who's a great tech but crappy artist, Hey, production assistant, like you said, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, production assistant and going into uh, compositing. Uh, yeah, lots of possibilities. Planning. There's so many different uh, jobs that are in animation. And right now with uh, the popularity of um, puppet rigged puppet animation for 2D, it's becoming easier for uh, people to animate and animate pretty well, given the technology. Animating in 2D is, can be done locally, whereas it mm-hmm. was too expensive to have hand-drawn animation done here. So we sent everything overseas. But now we can do it all here. So why not? And that's going to be a great segue into our next topic. Uh, not topic, but segment. However, I think it's time for a break, Rue. Oh, I was just busting. I need to go use the restroom. So this will be a great time for us to take a little bit of a break. So we'll be back in one second. Sounds good. All right. So in the, the spirit of this, uh, this, this topic, then after these messages, we'll be right back. <laughs> Every day when you're walking down the street, and everybody that you meet, has an original point of view, 
You're listening to For What It's Worth. everybody i hope that you had an amazing potty break or um running around the office break or whatever type of break that you needed maybe you were able to go get a snickers or a kit kat and, and get a break that way or a kit oh that's what it is it's Kit Kat. <laughs> i can't believe you missed that one ah <laughs> uh, well at least i'm not turning into betty white or betty you crocker know. Uh, anywho, so back into our topic, we're talking about good old animation. So, um, just to kind of add a little bit to this mix, I was actually an animation student for a little bit of time. When I went to college, I was trying to get into their 3D animation, um, program, um, over at good old BYU. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a fun process and it was very very demanding and then the end of it i decided you know what i can't draw good enough and i gave up on my dreams no just kidding uh basically they just they only accepted two students out of 200 applicants every single year and so it was very very demanding in order for you to be able to get into get into there. So I have my ability to to draw a little bit. And and I was more interested in the 3D animation proce- um, process. But in order to get in the, um, into 3D animation, you have to learn how to draw. And um, unfortunately, that was not a skill that I had. <laughs> so there was definitely some other avenues. So I'm an animation dropout. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> It's all right. We appreciate you nonetheless. Ah, thank you. But I haven't I haven't given up on my dream one day. One day. One Just day. kidding. Hey, you could be a production <laughs> assistant. <laughs> exactly. Maybe I could do that. <laughs> so, let's jump right back into the topic. All right. So, Karen, I have a quick but probably long question for you at the same time. One of those that could be either or. It's a Schrodinger's question. Okay. School versus self-taught. Which one do you think would be best? Combination. Combination. I am entirely self-taught, but I have gone to get classes in uh, different things in order to specialize myself, in order to uh, increase my skills. Um, I know people who are uh, entirely schooled before going into work. I will say that animation school can be very expensive. But what's important when you 
go look for a job in animation is not where you went to school, but what's in your portfolio. And that's actually going to be one of the questions that come right now, actually, as far as portfolio and demo reel, what would you say, you know, for general, general advice, what would you include in that? Okay. First, if you go to school in animation, it is a fantastic way to build a portfolio because you get an idea of what the different types of jobs in animation are, and that gives you the opportunity to include your schoolwork as portfolio samples. And that's one of the great advantages of going to school in animation is that you're really delving into it. It reduces the time of learning very much. Because if you're self-taught, well, you're going to be learning by yourself or you're going to be drawing by yourself, but you're not necessarily going to be spending all your time, uh, you know, like 40 hours a week or more learning the skills of animation. So that's the advantage of going to school versus learning by yourself. Learning by yourself means you have to manage your time. You have to go and get... Um, you know, learning from drawing, learning from other people, learning from YouTube, learning from, which is, again, when you're learning from things on YouTube or from Skillshare or from Schoolism or from, you're still going to animation school, quote unquote. You're still learning. Way, but it's it's a question of how you manage your time in order to build your skills. Now, when you build a portfolio and when you create your CV, what's important is that you gear your portfolio for the job that you want. If you want to be a character designer, include character designs, include sketches that will show how you think, how you approach uh, a character design and not just completely finished work because completely finished work doesn't tell the like only completed finished work doesn't tell the director if you actually uh, have a good thinking process to create characters. So show, show your work. Styles, show that you can adapt to different styles. Show that you have an, a good, solid understanding of anatomy. Uh, so including life drawing is also is a very good thing. If you want to be an animator, life drawings are really good. Um, if you want to be a location designer or an environment designer or something like that, show that you understand perspective, that you understand structure, that you understand how to build environments. Uh, again, sketches, concept work, finished drawings, do combinations of that. If you want to go into storyboarding, even if it's storyboard cleanup or storyboard revisions, include sequential work. And again, life drawings and perspective drawings. So you show that you can not only tell a story with your pictures, but you know how to place your characters in environments in a series of drawings. So gear your portfolio and gear your CV in the direction of the job you want. If you don't know what kind of job you want, then a mix of drawing from life, uh, drawing perspective, um, putting some color work. If you want to be a colorist, put in some color work. Put in some color keys, some exploration, some 
to show how you think, because I cannot say how important it is for the people who evaluate portfolios to know how an artist thinks and how fast they get to the result that they want to get to. Because, like it or not, animation is very, very fast-paced and you don't have a lot of time. And the budgets are, are, are not so big in, uh, in, in several of the studios, and so you have to do a lot in not a lot of time. So if you're the kind of artist that will take three hours to draw a single character, animation might not be the right field for you. That would be more illustration then. <laughs> it would be illustration. But if you can draw a lot of pictures fairly fast and come up with a lot of ideas fairly quickly and you're able to communicate those ideas with thumbnail sketches and uh, fast explorations and things like that, then yeah, animation is a good field for you. And again, just if you don't know what you're aiming for, put a little bit of everything, but really focus on putting in your best work. Don't put in things that are, eh, maybe okay, but meh. no, put in your best work. Don't put too much because if you put too much, then it's like, I'm going to watch the first three pages and then I'm just going to put the rest away because I, you, you quickly get the feel for the candidate um, with the first few images. So really focus on putting your best work and work that shows where your strengths lie. And the studios will look at that and will see this person could be good in characters or this person could be good in locations or this person could be good for compositing or for color or for lighting or for texturing or for something else like that. And as far as animation proper, I guess that would become the demo reel, correct? Yes. What would be what you'd consider a good time for one? Like, is it two minutes? Is it five minutes? And as an additional question, uh, should you go with a full process? Like, here's a bunch of drawings on YouTube, for instance. You have like 30 seconds of video where you show ver your various process to show, okay, this is how I designed this character. Then this is how I'm going to talk in 3D because that's what I've done. So here's how I modeled it. Like, 15 seconds, 30 seconds of I've modeled it, texture, animated, well, rigged, animated, and then rendered, and here we are with the final process. Or should we really go with, this is how I've done this part. This is how I, I want to be an animator. I guess it comes back to what you said, though, is I want to be an animator. I'm just going to show animation. But should I show just the final product or also in a software? Depending on what the studio is requiring. If the sense. studio wants to see your process files, they will request the process files. The demo reel should show what you want to show. If you're, if you want to be a modeler, your demo reel should include modeling. If you want to be a rigger, your your demo reel should include rigging and showing how your rig works. If you want to be an animator, they don't care about how you've created or built or rigged the character. They are looking at how you're making this character move. If you're applying for an animation job, you should show animation. All right. That, that makes perfect sense. For the length, five minutes is really, really long. People don't have time to sit for five minutes 
to look at a demo reel, be it for animation, storyboards, whatever. My demo reel is way too long and I need to update it with much shorter clips uh, because I know that people will watch the first bit and then skip to something else. Um, I need to update mine, so that's definitely advice that I've taken uh, under consideration. Minute and a half to three minutes would be plenty of time to, for people to see if you can tell a story or if you can make a character move and emote. Uh, if you can, uh, if you have different styles, short clips. You know, uh, you have a an animation style that's uh, that's great for cartoony, zany, slapstick comedy. Show that, and if you want to show that you can really get tug at the heartstrings, show that, but also, again, show that in which you want to work. If your portfolio contains, um, you know, I'll put it like in my own perspective, uh, my own uh, personal experience, I personally hate working in preschool. I cannot stand most preschool shows they annoy the heck out of me because <laughs> they take children for idiots. I hate shows that talk down to kids. I, sh I, I really cannot stand the pedantic uh, aspect of uh, a lot of preschool shows. It's not for me. So it sounds like you really didn't like Dora the Explorer. Dora the Explorer was <laughs> annoying as and uh, <laughs> I did funny want... story, funny story. The real life movie is hilarious. Just gonna oh, say I'm that. Sure, I, I saw the previews and I, I thought that it was really making like it's it looked like it was making fun of itself. Yes. So I might see it at some point, but uh, yeah, I I had children at the very young children. I would say that some exceptions are shows like Pokeyo. Um, and that was adorable and my kids liked it, but things like animal mechanicals that it's always the same thing, bow on the go, um, you know, those shows where the character turns to the camera and goes, Oh no, my friend is sick. What am I going to do? Should I go visit him and bring him flowers? It's like, <laughs> but, you know no, okay so that's... i don't like preschool long story short i don't like working in preschool it it is soul draining to me so i do not put any preschool stuff in my portfolio because i don't want to work in preschool i don't want to get job offers in preschool and if i do get job offers in preschool i say ah no thank you because i can afford to right now that I've got like all this experience and I've got a lot of job offers and things like that. So I'm able to say no, thank you. But if you don't want to work in a certain thing, like you don't want to do adult stuff, then you don't put any adult stuff in your portfolio, you know, just prepare your portfolio and prepare your CV for the kinds of jobs that you want to have. Okay, so I'm going to be a furry artist here for a minute. But uh, all, all that I have is furry art. Then draw is it something okay? else. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm totally serious here, okay? 
The no. problem with a lot of artists is that they tend to stick to what's familiar. And that means yep. that they do not improve. And the way to succeed in animation is to be adaptable. And gotcha. if you always draw the same thing and you never branch out, then you never progress. Awesome. So That's challenge great yourself, advice. draw something else, find a new field of interest. Try drawing something else. There are TV shows with furry characters, and that's great. But learn to draw humans. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> oh, you don't like to draw Mecca? Maybe draw a few. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, it's the challenge is even if you don't end up working at drawing Meccas, if you're not used to drawing Meccas, you can still learn how to draw them, figure out that it's not for you and not include it in your portfolio and say, if you make me draw technology, I'm not going to be the right artist for this project. And that's totally fair. You can say, I am not the right artist for this project or this project is not the right one for me. So it's just like any other job in that regards. I'm sure Rue can attest to that. Yes, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Um, I was going to ask, what are some resources for um, for inspiring animators? Resources for inspiring animators. Do you mean inspiring or aspiring? As aspiring. Oh, for aspiring, aspiring animators. Yeah, for people who yeah. want to do to to go into animation and they're like, oh, I I I can't go to school or I can go to school. I don't know, but they're like, you know. Where could I start to see if this is for me? What can, is there a resource I could go to and learn from those that's cheap or free that I can learn from and see if it's for me and dive deeper if need be? Okay. There are plenty of animators and storyboard artists and character designers and all sorts of professionals in animation who have their own YouTube channels. Um. There is, uh, there are different, like Aaron Blaze is a very well-known, very talented uh, animator who um, does classes online and has other people working with him. Uh, you've got, I uh, have to look up his name, Tonico Pantoja. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Uh, Tonico Pantoja has a YouTube channel that is uh, excellent for those who want to become animators. Um, I mean, just Google Foo. Use your Google Foo and search online. There's a lot of people like that. You can go on Instagram and find anybody, like follow the hashtags for animator, storyboard artist on Instagram, whatever that kind of stuff. Um, just like I said, Google Foo is your friend and <laughs> if you're not if you don't have money for for that kind of stuff that's what you do now if you're willing to spend a little bit of money there are uh online resources like schoolism and um uh, and you uh, mentioned skillshare earlier as well skillshare and uh domestica and a bunch of people who submit tutorials online that you can get access to with a subscription and that 
can be really a uh, an excellent resource to get you exploring uh, the different fields of animation and get into that. Um, I will say LinkedIn, and I will suggest also to have a LinkedIn profile and to look for animation studios and people who work in animation and connect with people there. Uh, LinkedIn has been a big source of jobs for me. So you can go there and there are a lot of people on LinkedIn that have uh, free or almost free classes on LinkedIn learning. So that's also really useful. And yeah, the animation industry is on LinkedIn. So that's very useful. Go there, make a profile, build your portfolio, make your CV on LinkedIn and search for people who do the kinds of stuff that you want to do. And do you have any preferred site or resource that you yourself use more than others that you think would be a good a good thing to share with everyone? I honestly don't have time to look <laughs> for that. I'm working so much. Um, I mean, uh, see, I I'm currently teaching storyboarding at a animation school in Montreal called Rubica, Montreal. And um, while I don't necessarily have resources, uh, specific resources for my students, um, there is a website that I use and that I tell them to use on a regular basis for their life drawing, which, call, which is called Line of Action. And it's just uh line dash of dash action.com and you can uh select the settings for the life drawing that you want you can have clothed models or nude models male female children adults uh all that kind of stuff and you set a timer on it and you do a lot of sketching that's a resource that i use uh, especially if I need to loosen up and all that, I will use it and I will do some drawing. I tell my students to do that. Uh, aside from that, I mean, I mentioned a few of the uh, a few of the uh, people I I watch occasionally on YouTube, um, but I don't have as much time as I'd like to uh, do any uh, kind of perfecting or that kind of stuff. Because, yeah. It's, it's a lot of work what I do. Sure sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that particular subject, why don't we go ahead and go directly into Patreon? Ooh, Patreons. Yeah. Do you want to go ahead and read that for us? Absolutely. So, let's get this party started. So, for what it's worth, would love to thank the following people for being Patreons. So first, GW, Nuka, Horu, Bubble Whip, Adelore Soldair, Moss, James Anderson, Jake Fox, Shafo Griff, Aussie K, Black Baldrick, Cashy, Ligris, or Ligris, I'm sure I butchered that name, you got it. <laughs> Kit. Tur. Tire. Tear. I don't know. I'm sorry I butchered your name as well. <laughs> Ichigo Okami. Simone Parker. 
And finally, Garden Lion. So, you guys Yay! are awesome. Thank you so much for your support. Like and subscribe. Yes. Oh, no, that's so a YouTube you thing. Sorry. Well, let me tell you guys, it's it's really helpful. Like we've said already in this episode, is this is just a hobby. And it's always been my wildest dreams to just have the, the podcast be self-sustaining. And we've been able to get there. So it's been great. And so thank you so much for your support and viewers like you. <laughs> nice little PBS reference there. <laughs> Definitely. This Decided show is possible that through viewers like you. <laughs> So let's go ahead and jump right back into the topic. Oh, wait. No, we were actually going to say about iDents. Yes. Uh, what about iDents, Rue? Well, iDents are um, something that we're always looking for. So please make sure that you um, send in an iDent to castfforwhatitsworth.com. Basically, um, an iDent can just be um, something that says, Hi, my name is Rue from, um, from Utah. And you're listening to For What It's Worth. Or you could add something silly like, Hi, I'm Rue and I love cookies. And you're listening to For What It's Worth or something like that. But it's, um, and make sure that you add and something like that. It's super important. <laughs> it's always the little things and something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and if I recall correctly, the reason for this ident is because the FCC requires it to happen. So, so people know about the midpoint what they're listening to. In this case, they're That's listening correct. to for what it's worth. So, should we jump right back into the topic of animation? Well, did you have anything you wanted to know, Rue? Ah, uh, well, you know, I I would have to say, I mean, we've already kind of gone over resources. Um, I was going to actually add the whole fact that um, a book that that my animation teacher. Um, uh, told us to use a lot was the illusion of life. I'm sure you've read that book. Yes, before I do own that book. Uh, yes, <laughs> uh, that's that's a pretty good um, book to kind of teach you the basic concepts of squash and squash and stretch. Mm -hmm. um, I, and then, go ahead. I would also recommend uh, the Animator's Survival Guide by Richard Williams. I had to buy that one for my class. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember that one very Animator well. Kit. Sorry. Animator survival kit. Uh, what else? Um, I'm looking at my library right now. Uh, in uh, If you're going to be doing storyboards, I will say that directing the story by... Francis Glebus is actually a really good book, and that's really for people who do uh, writing and uh, drawing at the same time. Like when you're building a story, uh, it's not a script writing book. It is very much a story building with pictures book. So that's uh, one of the books that I've got that I really enjoy. That almost sounds like it could be useful for somebody who does comics. It could be <laughs> a little tangent there uh yeah be, because it's very much designed for storyboards but they, they're transferable skills i mean if you can tell a story sequentially in storyboards and comics um 
there are differences between the two, but in general, the uh, basic grammar of visual storytelling is the same. If we were to go even more basic, and let's say that there's somebody that works with lots of Excel and data graphs and maybe is in accounting, and they're like, hey, I want to pick up drawing. Drawing on the right <laughs> side of the brain. I have that book as well. That's a great book. It is a great book because it teaches the, uh, it teaches the person how to see in order to draw what they see. Because it's making your brain do the switch from what you know and the concept and the symbols into drawing really the shapes and the volumes and the lights and the darks. And it really, um, it's great to make your brain do the switch in order to be able to draw really what you see. And drawing what you see and being becoming good at that will allow you to draw what you think. Um, I, I had one more follow-up question with resumes. Um, well, the portfolio. Um, is a portfolio the same thing as your resume? Or is it different? Do you also need to include a resume in your portfolio? You do need to include your resume as well as your portfolio. Your portfolio includes samples of your best work. Your resume says where you've worked for how long and what you did in those jobs. So would your resume look different than a standard standard resume that you um, you would normally use? Would you? Uh, yeah, I, I, I've given this advice before. If you're going to do a fancy resume where you include a bunch of shows that you've worked on include graphics and things like that you want your 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 pretty resume that has pictures so the person can have a visual at the same time as a list of the shows you've worked on that's great also have a text version that's available so that if you've got someone who uses uh computer search functions to uh to scour through the, all the resumes they receive your resume can actually be read and uh, and collected properly. So that's one of the things. My uh, resume, like I said, I've been working in this industry since 1996, so it's rather long. And my portfolio is not that long because people don't have time. So um, the idea is to really put what's relevant. I'm not going to put the fact that I worked as a temp at uh, Motorola back in uh, 2006 or that I worked in uh, as a receptionist at Purelater between animation jobs. That's not relevant. What's relevant is the work I've done as a storyboard artist if I want to work in storyboards. And I will include the fact that I've worked in animation and merchandising and stuff like that as extras. But if I want a job as a storyboard artist, I will put my storyboard jobs. So that's really what's important is your CV needs to also say, hey, I've done all this stuff. Here's the portfolio of my best work, but I have done all this stuff. So I have experience and I know what I'm doing. Awesome. So you customize your resume to that particular position that you're applying yes. for. and cover letter as well. Awesome. 
Do you, um, how long is your resume or how long is the resume usually? Uh, I try as much as possible to keep my resume on one page. But like Fantastic. I said, my resume is rather full. And so that means there's a lot of cramping. So I'm trying to rework my resume in order to, um, in order to uh, go over, like probably go in detail over the last five years and then do the, the, the previous 20 years as a block of, these are the shows I worked on. So that's a, a way that I'm planning on doing it. It really is because I've got all this, all these years of experience. But if you try as much as possible to keep your resume to one page that it's, you, you look at it and you see it, that's fine. LinkedIn will have the full details. If you want to go and check all the details, my resume is on LinkedIn. My resume in full details is on my website. That's what you want to see. That's where you go. If I'm going to send my resume as a one pager, I will try as, po as much as possible to keep it short and sweet. And I will include a piece of art on the resume just to make it stand out. Awesome. That's an interesting. I think that's, I think that's great. That um, one of the things that you brought up is the whole fact that somebody could be using a search function to just be able to pull the the resumes that they they want. And you know, some of these studios, I'm sure, are getting hundreds of people applying for them. Yeah. So um, you definitely want to make sure that you have those key words on your resume, or it will get lost. Pretty much, yes. So. And, and definitely customize your, your resume towards um, the studio that you're applying for or the position. Exactly. So that's great advice. We, the, our last episode, actually, just before this episode, was about professional development. So we went through how to build a resume and all those different things. So thank you for answering that question because I, like, the, the resumes are similar, but they are a little different they're they're sometimes a little bit different um um but i think it's great that you also add a graphic onto your resume itself so um okay what else do we have are we at final thoughts or do you have anything else firebreath well i would have one question for karen and this will be a little bit different what's the show you had the most fun working on okay i definitely you asked me the question of of what was my favorite show to work on. And I mentioned, uh, I mentioned my little pony friendship is magic as one of my favorite shows to work on. Um, yeah, that, that same question applies. I had a lot of fun working on that show. The show itself is, it's a great show. It's very well written. Uh, the characters are fun to draw. Uh, the stories were great, and the actual process of making the show, um, I was involved in storyboards, the actual process of making the show is something that I enjoyed so much that I brought it into the show I'm doing right now, and that includes things like having a live uh, rough storyboard review with the director, the other storyboard artists, because we work in pairs. Um, and the uh, storyboard supervisor. 
So we spend the entire day going over the rough storyboard and calling for revisions and arguing our choices and doing a back and forth in order to uh, make the storyboard better before it goes to revisions and cleanup. So this collaboration, live collaboration, works really, really well and makes a better show in the end. And it's a lot of fun to do. So that was a great experience. And like I said, I, I gained so much from that, that when I moved on to other shows and they didn't do that, it was missing. And getting notes and reviews from directors and storyboard supervisors that were just written on the storyboard, there's there was a lack of... Um, Presence? Yeah. Uh, like some things got lost in translation in the sense that when it's just written, sometimes you don't really understand what the note means or that kind of stuff. But being able to pitch your boards or being able to have that collaborative process of going through the uh, review makes the process a lot more fun. And it's probably easier to take critique when it's face to face or at least live, like one yeah, or not. There's the intent when it's just written words and when you're actually doing it live, the intent doesn't come across the same way. So that's definitely it definitely does make a difference. So a good a, a good advice for anybody listening right now is like, oh, I, I would love to get into animation. Be ready to 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 get a lot of critique. Oh. And if you're not comfortable with it, <laughs> get comfortable with it now. <laughs> okay. This is something that I've learned um, and that I, you know, I've been working in this business for a long time. And it was to work with critique and to accept that the art that you make especially in storyboards your art is disposable it's not something that you draw and then it's going to end up on somebody's wall somewhere your art as a storyboard artist nobody outside the studio who anybody who works on the show itself no one sees those drawings mm -hmm. like they're not going out they're not going out to the public what you're drawing as a storyboard artist is the instruction manual for the animators. At best, if you're lucky, it's going to be on the DVD as a as a bonus. <laughs> as an extra, <laughs> you know, they'll they'll post they'll post some little in progress clips here and there and that kind of stuff. But the the thing is, you will do your storyboards, or you will do your rough animation, or you will do your character designs, different tries, all that, and. The director is going to come and say, no, scrap that and change this around. And maybe I don't like this design. Try this instead. And we'll redraw over top your drawing and all that. The best piece of advice I can give you is to consider that all the art that you make in animation is disposable. It can be changed. And whatever changes are required... And whatever art gets scrapped or whatever changes are required are not a reflection on the artist. They are only about the drawings. And to be able to separate yourself and your value from the art that you create is a skill that is necessary in the field of animation. In pretty much any other creative field as well, you really need to learn to separate yourself from your art. 
because any critique that gets put on your art that you take personally, that you take as an attack towards you, you won't survive this. You really mm -hmm. need to be able to separate the two. And yeah, animation art is entirely disposable. Until the moment where it's on TV, nothing is set in stone. And I, I believe that that's a huge soft skill that's important for anybody to learn in any professional development um, or professional um, professional field. Being able to take critique is just huge. It could be, uh, I'm going to go back to an Excel sheet again. There may be some formulas that you have in there or the way that it looks that they want you to just redo it. And you probably put your heart and soul into making sure that everything works and you're just going to have to scrap it and um, or make the changes that are necessary. And I, I find it, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't think I don't, I don't think any one of us here can necessarily say, I love being critiqued and I love criticism. However, I think what's important to learn is that criticism is important and it does help you to build, um, you know, for you to be able to build upon your um, character. And sometimes asking for criticism is, criticism is super, super important in order for you to be able to be successful. Um. But, so that's actually going to be my final thought. Are we at that time? Final thoughts? I, I think we are because I think we pretty <laughs> much cornered every little bit of this topic at this point without going so deep that uh, Mariana Trench would have no secrets for us. Uh, mm. Karin, do you have anything <laughs> you'd like uh, to, to share before we part ways? I would like to share that uh, this has been a fun experience and I'm very glad you invited me and I'm very happy to have been a part of this uh, podcast. And also, uh, I hope that uh, what I had to share is helpful to anyone that, who is considering uh, dipping their toes in the world of animation. I hope I didn't scare you too much with the whole criticism thing. <laughs> uh, uh, I think it's I think it's um, really important for people to yeah, learn that because the, the thing is when you get criticized or when it, it's not you that's getting criticized it's the work when the work gets criticized it is in order to make it better and like mm -hmm. I said when we were doing the board reviews on My Little Pony and you know the director would go and say i'm not so sure about this how about we try it this way and that way and then i go oh yeah and then we could do this and that would add the gag that this and that and we would just yes and and rebuild a scene that was working eh, into something that was fantastic so it that's how critique in in art and pretty much in anything should work it should be uh, to build something, to make something better. And you need to be receptive to that. And when you are, it helps you become even more creative. And that also means don't be afraid to speak your mind because if nobody talks because you're scared of, oh, I might hurt their feeling or uh, I never have good ideas. Well, you'll never have good ideas if they stay in your heads, right? <laughs> so Pretty much so it goes in both ways, guys. Don't be afraid to have critique, but don't be afraid to give some either. 
and always consider that it is it as long as it's done in a positive constructive manner not to destroy somebody but to improve the final product it's all worth it and the same way if you're receiving it take it first and foremost as they're trying to help me get better they're trying to get my product at the end of the day art one or not in this in this very specific instance is a product we're trying to get the best product out there as possible and this is their way of trying to improve on that product. So that, that's a great thought. I, I really like that one. As for mine, uh, I miss you. I want to see you again. I can't wait to, <laughs> to, 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 to be out of this house. Love my place, but damn it, I want out. <laughs> uh, and uh, I hope that everyone out there is safe. Uh, if you haven't gotten uh, your vaccine shot yet, do it, everybody. It's not as bad as some folks seem to make it out. Uh, my shoulder is sore, but it's I, it, no worse than if I got beamed by someone, you know. So don't be afraid. Do it. It's good for you. It's good for your neighbors. It's good for your parents or every, anybody you cross on the street. And uh, we're almost out of this, guys. The final stretch. Don't Don't give up. I know it has nothing to do with the current topic, but I think it's important to to say it at this point. And uh, thank you very much, Karen, for accepting my offer. Uh, when this topic came up, my head immediately went to you for obvious reasons. Uh, you're an amazing person. You're an amazing friend. And I really appreciate you being here today. Thank you so he much. He created this episode just for you. Like quite literally, it was like, uh, because we have um, production meetings mm -hmm. and um, he brought this topic and he was like, we're going to do this. And I have a person for this. <laughs> and <laughs> so it was an outstanding yes. So thank you so much for, for volunteering and coming thank out. You. You're, you've been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for having me. And I had fun and thank you really this. And it's fun to see your face. It's fun to see yours too. <laughs> yes, my hair is long now. I know, I know. It is. It is really long. <laughs> I need to dye it at some point. It's more salt than pepper now. So this is your opportunity. If you want, um, I mean, we, we're more than happy to pass any sort of like information on. If, if, if somebody has a question, they can send us an email. And we would be more than happy to forward However, is there anything that you would like to plug um, at this present time? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, if people want to see my my doodles and my drawings and stuff like that, I post when I have time and when it's not crazy insane at work. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Canthara Draws. And uh, my website is CantharaDraws.com. And pretty much search for me as either Kanthara or Kanthara Draws and you'll find me. Thank you so much. You have been an amazing guest. Thank you very much for having me. And thank you for coming with us here. Well, so housekeeping. Housekeeping. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Have you commented on the site yet? It's time to be reminded in... Housekeeping! 
So, so no, go ahead, go, Rubo. go, go. No, 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 no. no, I, no. I, I, you, I, you. I'm the captain of this ship. You will do what I say. Say how? Uh, Head to the the, the, the the side stuff as you were about to say. Fine, fine. Okay. Well, we have a lovely website. It's called forwhatitsworth.com. Um, we are um, kind of doing some edits and stuff like that on the website itself. We're still working on it. Um, if you yourself is super interested in website design, we could use your help. So please send us a message over to rue at forwhatitsworth.com or you can telegram me over at, at @winedredfox. Speaking of telegram, tell us about our sites. Our sites? Didn't you just do that? Or do you mean our chat room? Uh, our chat room, sorry. <laughs> yeah. How do they get into the chat room? <laughs> well, we do have a chat room. Uh it is on Telegram as you just said. Uh we've currently got about 100 110 people in there, so uh, it's it's fairly, uh, fairly populated, and we invite all of our listeners, uh, all six of you guys. No, seven now, right? Or eight? Did we upgrade? It, I guess we're still at seven. We're still at seven listeners. That's, oh, we're that's... we're at seven now. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. There's 110 people oh. on that on that. On, on, see what you're making me do? I'm saying website instead of chat room. We've got 110 <laughs> people in the chat room, but seven listeners. It's great. I don't know where those people, who those people are. Don't ask me. But uh, yeah, we we have uh, the, the 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 chat room at. Uh, I'm trying to find where is that. We don't have a link for it, do we? We don't actually have a link. So how you actually get onto the chat room is you can message me at Wine Red Fox, or you can message Firebreath at. Is it at Firebreath? Yeah, I'm I'm very easy to find Firebreath on every platform, and if I'm not on it, I'm if if it's not me, then it's not me. I'm not on Twitter. I'm we'll not on Facebook. But and then we'll just ask you whether or not that you're over the age of 18, if you would like to join that. Indeed. We also have our Twitter. It's at, for what it's worth. So you... It's almost like, for what it's worth is how you can basically find us everywhere. Isn't it great? We we really tried to still FWIW, but that was taken, Aww. sadly. <laughs> Sad face. Um, and, and then, of course, when it comes to our podcast, unfortunately, we don't spend any of the patron money into marketing dollars. So it's all word of mouth. So if you know um, somebody that could, that is interested in animation, uh, please share this episode with them. And if they're not interested in animation, share it anyway. <laughs> Ram it down their throat. Well, ears in this case, really. Um, and of course, I want to also thank you, Firebreath. Thank you so much for um, setting up this particular episode, doing all the show notes, all the heavy lifting, setting up the guests. Let me tell you, that is so much work. Yeah, I, I learned a lot and I made a few mistakes along the way, but hey, I'm going to do better next time, right? Yeah. Well, this has been Rue. And this has been Firebreath. And this has been Kevin. And you've been listening to For What, for it's, what worth. it's Worth. Yay! Yay! Awesome. Good job, you guys. Another wrap up. <laughs>